Cincinnati. Welcome to episode 200, part 2 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons. Welcome back. Uh, as you may recall, we uh, recorded a uh, an episode, 200, part 1, on Friday evening because we felt we couldn't not, after all the shenanigans of the, uh, the, uh, the playoff scenarios and what the NFL were doing and all the rest of it, um, but we're back to our normal Monday. Well, this is Monday, but unfortunately there's technical difficulties, so you're probably getting this on a Tuesday. I'm already confused. It doesn't take much. Nathan Palmer, help me out. 200 episodes, son. I mean, that is outrageous, isn't it? Part one and two as well. So, you know, got feature length 200 as well. I, I hate... I was just thinking about it when you were saying 200, and I was wondering in my head just how many hours um, <laughs> of our lives and the listeners' lives that has been put into this podcast and I'm not sure whether that makes me proud or makes me feel quite sad. <laughs> oh, it is about 200 <laughs> hours really, isn't it? I mean, um, well, at least, I mean, some of them were longer than an hour and yeah, some of you them, know, I mean, our it's, bumper it's episodes quite... back in the day, an hour and a half. Can you believe that? Someone would actually yeah. sit through an hour and a half of you talking. It's amazing. Would you, <laughs> all right, I tell you now, would you listen yeah. to episode one yeah. all the way through until the end of this episode for hundred grand, but you you just got to sit in the room, listen to it. You can't do anything else. What about toilets? Yeah, there's a toilet in the room. Okay. Uh, you can't do anything else apart from just listen to it. Like you get a bit of food. Like, like it's like being in prison. You get a bit of food chucked in with you, a bit of water. But you got to listen to two hundred episodes, just going, and you have to listen to the entrance each time and the the closing song, all of it. You have to listen to every every second of it underground i'm just gonna work it out right so um i'll say like 250 220 hours let's say right <laughs> Do I, know I reckon it's a bit more than that i reckon it's probably more 250 i reckon you'd 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 do it in 10 days solid back to back i reckon you'd lose your head <laughs> If you just did a room listening to us talk about the Bengals, it's an, it would be an interesting experiment because we would we would uh, mind you that's twenty four hours solid as well without any sleep. So I yeah, reckon three about hours, three hours. I let yeah three or four hours to keep, <laughs> and then I wake you up with it. Fifteen. I reckon that'll be fifteen days worth uh, of us <laughs> in your ear. Goodness me. Um, well, who wouldn't want that, frankly? We're informed. Well, at least and... it'd, be, it'd be 15 days. It's locked on Bengals. I'll tell you what, you'd be, you'd be brown <laughs> Don't, don't the time start. You don't start. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's 200, if I can throw out a bit of shade, can I? I just, 
you know, we can do what we want on this episode. James we're not Jake, being chained back. James and Jake is only joking. He's, or is he? Perhaps he is. Or is he? <laughs> They still do one a day, those guys. They do, and they. And to be fair to those guys, I mean, I know James was off recently because his partner had a had their first child. So many congratulations to to James. Uh, but poor old Jake had to soldier through last week, and um, uh, in the wake of what happened to Demar Hamlin, and um, you know that's tough sledding. You know what I mean? Having to do a podcast every day uh, in such you know. You know, after something that really affected everyone, do you know what I mean? Uh, so I yeah. do take my hat off to him, and I know uh, old uh, Joe Goodberry uh, sat in for one, and there was a few other uh, special guests to cover James. So yeah, I mean, to anyone who did a, who does the podcasting thing professionally, having to do it last week must have been tough. And that's a pretty neat segue, isn't it? Into um, you know the fact that Demar Hamlin has has really drastically improved. I mean, he was tweeting from his bed last night, photographs of him watching the Bills and Patriots game, and uh, just incredible to see him on the men like that. His his recovery really has um, skyrocketed. So let's hope that continues. And uh, you know, I'm sure they're keeping a close check on things. And uh, uh, yeah, hopefully that next step is another positive one for him. But yeah, fantastic to see. 100% and you know like I said on the last episode it's just incredible to see how far he's come from that incident which was literally what just over a week ago now so it's not you know a huge amount um, of time ago and just fantastic progress like you like you said to see him sort of up and about talking tweeting um, and it's just a fabulous story with a nice ending well it was certainly he's still you know he's still got a long way to go in his recovery but yeah for you sure. certainly hope from from whatever you know from what's been what's been said and what's coming from him himself it all looks very positive which is absolutely fantastic um for everyone i do agree with you nathan um so the way this is going to work um we do um, i say every we try and get as many guests as we can as as you guys know um but every for every sort of 50th episode we try and get an extra special one and uh, for episode 50 we had zach taylor Episode 100, we had Chris Collinsworth. Uh, episode 150, we had Darren Simmons. And we go back to the Bengals coaching well uh, again uh, to uh, to present to you Mr. Lou Anarumo. Um, uh, so Lou is coming up a little bit on, later. And it was a pleasure to talk to him. As you can imagine, he's the talk of the town, and it's sort of—it's not quite Black Monday, is it? Uh, so far, we, what is it? It's—I uh, know Cliff Kingsbury is, is gone, and we're expecting uh, Lovey Smith to perhaps go from. Yeah, Houston. he's gone, isn't he? Oh, he has. Um, yeah. Sorry, I've, I've, my Monday consists uh, now of driving back from London, so I don't get to hear any NFL news until you tell me about it. So, Lovey's gone. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's gone. No doubt there'll be a few others gone today. Um, so we'll see. Will Lou get one of those jobs? I asked him about the... Because um, uh, I'm a journalist. Asked him um, about the potential um, uh, for him landing a head coaching spot. So, hey, listeners, uh, check out what he says later. Is that what people say? Is that what... 
proper podcast hosts say what they say I think so He's done a good job, Lou, and he. I mean, I know obviously we'll hear from him in a moment, but he has done a cracking job, the geezer. And you forget back to he endured a really rough ride of it in his first. Uh, I think it was his first season with Zach Taylor. He wasn't the first choice defensive coordinator for Zach Taylor. I know they sort of kicked the tyres with a few other people out there, didn't take it. They and kicked, he was very they, much... Didn't they kick your tyres? Is that right? Well, no, there's a few phone calls that went back and forth, but nothing <laughs> came of it. But, yeah. you know, Lou, Lou got, I think he, him and Zach had a sort of previous relationship in the past. I think Lou was up yeah. working for the Giants. And I think um, he's from New York originally, isn't he? So, you know, managed to sort of... Staten Island. Staten yeah, fucking managed Island. To, managed to get him down from there. and I don't know what that was. A lot of people, I think a lot of us, you know, are guilty of his first season. I mean, the Bengals' defence was horrible. And, I, you know, you feel bad for inheriting that defence. But a lot of people wanted him gone. And, you know, it all could have been very different, I think, if you'd uh, been pulling the trigger on it. But the defence he's been able to sort of forge and carve out in the last, you know, a couple of years. I mean, the way that team's been playing last year and this year in particular um has been just fantastic so if he does get some interviews and if he does get off of the job it's it's well deserved and it's the start of zach taylor's um coaching tree potentially well how about that um right we do have a game to talk about so lou's going to come up later um we've had requests for what would lou do as well so maybe we'll squeeze that in uh we're going to reminisce a little bit obviously uh, we're going to talk about uh, the playoff guy because lest we forget, we are in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Bengals Twitter has been uh, quite angry uh, over the past uh, several days, but it's uh, and you know, but it's easy to forget that we're actually in the playoffs, and off we go yet again. We're back on the roller coaster. Uh, unfortunately for UK viewers. Um, uh, the game is 1.15 a.m. On, a, on the Monday morning because uh, uh, the Bengals and Ravens at home, thankfully no coin toss, uh, um, has been deemed high profile enough to be a primetime game, So, uh, which is not great for UK viewers, quite frankly. Great for everyone inside Paycor, that's going to be some occasion. Uh, but not great for UK viewers. Anyway, shall we get to uh, Reaccione? 200 episodes. Uh, Reaccione? Let's do it. Reaccione, Reaccione, ole, ole, ole. Reaccione, Reaccione, ole, ole, ole. Right, Bengals, 27. The Baltimore Ravens, 16. And that means the Bengals finish uh, twelve and four, tying a franchise record for the number of wins in a season. And uh, as we mentioned last week, um, let's not overlook the achievement here. That's uh, you look at the the Rams who have fallen off a cliff after winning the Super Bowl, and it was you know other Bengals teams that have got to a Super Bowl in the past and have not been able for whatever reason to repeat. Uh, not just a success, but a winning season the the year afterwards, or actually maybe the Boomers team in eight in nineteen uh, got to nine and seven, I think. But they certainly didn't pull up any trees. But my point is, it's difficult to repeat that kind of level of performance. And if anything, I think uh, the team is better than last year. So huge congratulations. Um, the players and the coaches, uh, brilliant uh, uh, achievement yet again. 
eight wins in a row, an 0-2 start. I mean, it's been some regular season, hasn't it, really? Just incredible. And at the start of the season, when we went 0-2, and we were 4-4, four and four, people were talking about the season being over. They were talking about, you know, when um, Cheeto went down and we lost that game to the Browns. People were absolutely seething. I think, you know, we were saying the odds of us making the playoffs of the bookies, I think, were about 50% or just less than 50%. And it felt like a long way off. And I think on that game was November the 1st. Um, and you look at where we are now. And you've gone the whole month of November, whole month of December, and, you know, reasonable way into January without losing a football game. I mean, it is absolutely incredible when you think about it and just how far the team's grown, how far they've come. And, yeah, it has been a great season. It's the season we all kind of expected, but just in a very unusual way you know a real sort of horrible first eight games there weren't many games in there that I thought we were very convincing it took a real while to get us going but bloody hell when we did get going it was a beautiful thing to watch wasn't it my son it was um and yesterday's game I mean I didn't enjoy that game yesterday it was great to for them to win the division you know properly do you know what I mean they beat the Ravens fair enough but I don't know, it was a bit of a weird game yesterday, I thought. I, I, I didn't think Joe Boy was totally on it, um, bar a couple of miraculous escapes from the pocket where he danced and uh, evaded many tackles. Um, you know, the Ravens were kind of running the ball quite well and they were using Isaiah Likely quite a lot, their rookie tight end. and. Ed, if you remember back some of the draft preview, you said, who, who do you, should you be looking out for in the draft? And I did say Isaiah Lyons. And I he said Charlie... Co- yeah, yeah, I, saw, I said Charlie Kolar as well, and he turned up yesterday. But yeah, I'll give you that one. Likely was uh, looked really good. Uh, so they gave, they gave the Bengals a few problems, and the Bengals, you know, went out to a 24-7 lead, and you kind of thought, right, that, this is it really, isn't it? You know, no, no problem. But they just kept um, they just kept coming the Ravens and uh, it took some defensive uh, it took some really big defensive plays to once again you know another Von Bell fumble recovery right at the end when the Ravens were driving not not that they were going to win the game but they, they could have made it really interesting. Um, and they kept very van- yeah so I mean the question is should we be worried I mean my only worry my only slight worry is that that's two games now that Joe Boy and uh, his receivers weren't quite on the same page um, so that's my only slight worry they looked a bit out of sync and maybe that's because of the the extra week off after the Monday night game that wasn't um so yeah, yeah, they need to sharpen up a little bit, I think, on offense because they couldn't run the ball again. Uh, but then again, I don't know. I'm going around in circles with Nathan. What do you think? What do you think about last night? It it was like a bit like you're in a bar and there's a really drunk <laughs> bloke in there that wants to have a row with you, and he's yeah. just off his face, drunk, he's staggering about everywhere, and that's sort of the Ravens and. 
we were sort of in in control at the start. You just put the geezer on the floor and you're just like, look, get out. You know what you're doing and you, you're not worried by him. And then all of a sudden he just doesn't go away and he's just throwing some sort of ugly punches at you, catches you with a couple. And, you know, you, then all of a sudden you're like, hang on a minute, this geezer, you know, he's, he's a bit more alert than I thought. And you've got, you know, you try and throw a few punches and you realise you're drunker than you thought. And it just, it was horrible. It was horrible game. It to was. Work. It just had a horrible feeling. I thought maybe it was the really. First... It was really chippy, wasn't it? And horrible. Yeah, for the first part of the first quarter, I kind of felt that it was just going to be a bit of a blowaway game. I thought the Ravens. I was really surprised by their approach to the game by sort of going out there with a third string quarterback, putting Mark Andrews on the bench, J.K. Dobbins on the bench. They didn't really even attempt to go for the game. They just sort of were happy to just turn up, you know, pack the bags and go and. But they they did play to their credit. They played well. They stuck around. They, they they were chippy, like you said. They put it in on the Bengals, and that was our first team out there until you know virtually the whole game. And it, it just it looked like it was going to be a bit of a blowout, and that with Joe Boy would be out of the game by sort of probably half time at the latest, and it was going to be an absolute you know pile on throlicking. But, Come on, say yeah, it. Well, it, had, it was in throlicking territory for a while, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, the Ravens in the second half, especially, just really, like you said, just kept coming and coming, and you, you're trying to just be like put the game to bed, and and they did, and you know the, the defense forced about 17 turnovers, and you know somehow <laughs> we weren't able to just sort of comfortably put them to bed until quite near to the end of the game, but. It, it it wasn't the sort of game. I mean, first of all, you've got to say we won, and that that's important. You know, and you that's the main the thing, especially in this scenario yeah. when a coin flip was yeah. looming. And had, yeah, and they still had some good players out there. You know, Raquan Smith was playing. They you know like likely plays for them normally. It's not like it was a complete backup practice squad type of job from the Ravens. They still had a lot of their defensive starters out there. The offensive line was pretty much the first string. So it's a win. It's a division win. I think they'll probably look at that game. Joe Boy has said a few times, I think he said it in the press conference, it wasn't a good game and he's going to be better than that. So it's going to put a rocket up them a bit to say, look, come on, we've got to sort this out and play a bit better. My worry is for the Bengals, we'll get on to the matchup a bit later, but my worry for the Bengals is, you said it earlier, the run game. It's just slowed down a bit. I don't know if that's because of the offensive line. Obviously, Alex Kappa going out yesterday is not going to help that. It's a bit sluggish. And when they were running the ball and Joe Mixon was um, and Samar J.P. Rama carving out yardage, it just felt like the passing game was ran like clockwork. Burrow had more time in the pocket. The line was up to scratch. And you felt like that offense was an absolute juggernaut. And I, I just worry slightly in the last couple of weeks that it maybe has just regressed ever so slightly, certainly against mm-hmm. the Patriots in the second half. It was a bit, you know, a bit meek. Um, and then in this game, it was a bit of a mess. But one thing I'd say, just final thing on the game, you'd have to hope John Harbaugh didn't even bother bringing the starters out. There. You know, I think Tyler Huntley could have played in that game if he needed to. I think possibly Lamar Jackson could have played in that game if he'd needed to. Certainly Dobbins and Andrews could have played and it would have been a much more interesting matchup. But what I would say is, I think Zach Taylor and the coaching staff know in that game that they're not going to be playing out their best calls. They're not going to be running the plays, yeah, yeah. you know, the best plays up their sleeve. It's same on defense. Lou wouldn't have been sat there, you know, offering up his absolute best blitz packages and to give any, them anything on tape. So I, that's one potentially 
positive that you can sort of take from that game is that it would have been a fairly conservative vanilla game planning on both sides of the ball to not give the Ravens anything too tasty on tape. And hopefully when they come back to town next week, they'll put the fireworks out. Yeah, I agree. That was going to be one of my hot takes. Um, they all I stole it from your jaws. You say you got getting there earlier. I'll I be know. in there. You know, I'll be like a fox in the bins. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they kept throwing these screens, didn't they? They were going nowhere, and they just didn't look interested in moving the ball, apart from you know the odd long deep shot to T or to certainly to Jamar, and that kind of told Jamar. Jamar that kind of told me that um, you know they weren't showing they they were keeping their cards very close to their chest offensively yesterday so which is why a lot of people go oh, I'm a bit worried I'm a bit worried about next week because we played so badly yesterday but uh, I'm not too worried because I think they only showed a quarter of what they can do in terms of playbook um, uh, my other hot take again you've stolen it as well um, yeah. Um, so I thought the Ravens, knowing that um, uh, that they were depleted, and you know Harbour had, had kind of really kept out most of their stuff. As you said, their key weapons. I think I think they were, might have been instructed just to go out there and just say, "Look, mix it up a bit, ruffle their feathers, and uh, get them into a street fight." And that's what they did. They they and it's. It's kind of interesting psychology, but that's what I think they did. I thought, you know, just throw them off their step a little. Not not let them win, but go out there. Don't worry too much about the result, but just put a few markers down, do you know what I mean? Just go out yeah. and, like you said, punch them in the mouth a few times, whether it's legal, semi-legal, whatever, because there are a few dodgy things. Um, so the atmosphere just felt really chippy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we weren't even down there. And then you hear what the guys said in the locker room, saying that they were bang out of order, like what they were doing on the field. And we don't know what they were doing. Uh, there was a few sort of late pushes from Raquan Smith and uh, a few other Bengals fans were up in arms on, on a few other things, which I kind of think were fine, actually. But anyway, I think they went out there with the instructions from the coaching staff and I may be wrong, this is pure speculation from my part, but just judging by the atmosphere and the chippiness, I just thought they were told to go out and get him into a fight, get him into a, a brawl, like you said, a bar brawl, uh, just to kind of ruffle their feathers a little bit and throw them off. Uh, How dare you make such an accusation, Santa, of a professional uh, sports establishment? Well, you know, there are ways to do things, but also... but. But also, always with one eye on next week, which is the let's face it, it's the real biggie next week. Yeah, but I, I think I think I genuinely think that Harbour kind of thought, you know what, we're not going to win this with that geezer at quarterback, that third string guy at quarterback, whose name I can't even remember. No offense to that to him, he did some he did some nice things actually when he settled down in the second half a little bit. But anyway, that's by the by. No, I just thought, well, look, Harbour kind of thought, we're not going to win this. But I tell you what we can do in preparation for next week. We can go out there, we can kick them square on in the balls, we can punch them in the mouth a few times and then get out of town. That's what they want, though. I th that's why... And that's the, yeah, absolutely, that is the key. This is the follow-up to this. The, the that's Ravens, what they want. Yeah. 
exactly. They want to rile the Bengals up. They want the team to be furious. They want the fans to be riled up. They want this to turn into an ugly, old-fashioned AFC North. Because that they know that's, that's the only way they can win. Frankly. Well, and the, the the Ravens and the Steelers, whether you want to call them dirty, whether you want to call them just I do gritty, fine. But whether you want to call them gritty, hard nosed, tough, I don't. However, you want to describe the way that those teams play, and it's it is really like that's how the AFC get. Um, AFC North gets its reputation is that tough football, you know, potentially on the line, you know, difficult games to play. The Bengals historically go back to when, you know, the days of Troy Polamalu, Ray Lewis, Bart Scott, James Harris and all those, you know, players back on those teams in the day that were coached by Harbaugh, coached by Mike Tomlin. The Bengals didn't come out very well when it got physical and it got a bit a bit chippy and a bit naughty like that. You know, back in the day when Vontaze Berthick was playing... And maybe, Jones, maybe you know, as I say, it's, I, it's a physical rivalry. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And and I, I do it, think Harbour realizes his team that might be the only chance that they've got to test the Bengals. And as I say, the key for the Bengals, I think, the key for us is not to play down to that level, which we have done. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And this is the thing: I, I, as much as there's this talk about, oh, we're going to go in next week and we we'll remember what they did, and are we going to, you know, take it to them? That's where you play silly football and you get in you get some flags and you get ill disciplined and you make mistakes. You you just gotta yeah. turn up, pretend that game didn't happen, level headed, don't care about Raquan Smith, don't care about any of the geezers on their team that are going low and diving at people's knees. Let it just forget about it. Go in there and play a good game, you know. Just make sure yeah, you Yeah, and win because you're the better yeah. team. If you start getting aggressive and pulling people and grabbing helmets and pushing people and late hits that cost you games and that's what they're doing it for you know they're not doing it just for a little you know a little sort of um yeah. tussle in the park they they want to do it for a force us into you know going outside of our comfort zone like i said making mistakes so i think the bengals have just got to take a step back there zach taylor's a very calming yeah influence. but i will say about zach he's been agitated the past yeah, three true. like that's, that's three days first with the league announcement and the and the and the whole kind of playoff scenario and seeding and coin flip nonsense yeah, he was visibly angered and said so. And he looked, I mean, he was out in the centre of the field yesterday kind of um, remonstrating with the referees. Now, yeah, you know, important. they did miss an egregious face mask on Joe Burrow. Yeah. But, you know, I've not seen him as agitated. So I would, I would, this is a, I would like Zach just to kind of, you know, be Zach as he always has been, yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. calm yes passionate and having a go with refs and whatnot but not taking it any further because you could see Harbour on the other sideline baiting him as well and if Harbour sees that they're getting to yeah. Zach Taylor then they're starting to win small psychological victories and it's a really good point the other thing that I wasn't madly impressed with I didn't mind the coin the coin flip celebration I thought it was quite yeah fun. I thought it was great I think I just great. about you can sort of let that one that one sort of just a bit, bit a bit of comedy but the EI Apple stuff at the end with the, the you know the picture of Goodell and stuff like that I don't think you need to be getting into those type of situations I think not not be more professional but I just think keep your eyes on the prize and you know it's a serious business here we could we could be one and done next week and I, I think rather than focusing on all these as you mentioned with you know Zach getting agitated the yeah. fans getting angry about the the dirty player you just got to focus your attention to the next game and not get bogged down with the if, if buts and maybes the playoff seeding situation that was um put on by the NFL was poor it didn't favor us but you got to go and win those games and uh, you know let the Ravens 
play dirty, let them play tough, however you want to call it. But I do think the Bengals now have just got to collect themselves a bit, rise above it and move on. And I think they will. They've got this week yeah, to really focus. They they didn't show half of their playbook. I mean, I quite like the Eli Apple thing, I have to say. It did make me chuckle. But anyway. Uh, he could get some serious trouble for that. Yeah, I mean, he'll just get a fine. Anyway, Chad's going to pay all the fines. So, I mean, uh, you might as well go out there and, I don't know, do something in London tonight and just get Chad to pay a fine or whatever, I think. Um um, yeah, I think I think they got a fine you got for the copper, son. Well, exactly. That's that's you know, <laughs> that's a serious fine. I still, I'm, I'm, I'm yet to, I'm yet to thank Chad for his legal assistance on that uh, <laughs> on that today. Um, but yeah, I mean they've got all week to focus. They know how to do it. They know how to kind of hunker down. They know how to put the blinkers on now and really focus in on what they've got to do. Uh, Zach can open up the playbook yet again. Like some secret spell book in Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Dusts it down and then opens it up and like a big beaming light sprawls out. Exactly, exactly. And uh, with like angels singing in the background, that kind of thing. Um, So lots of fun to look forward to. But anyway, um, yes, we did what we had to do yesterday. But I was just a bit concerned about a few things and no doubt they played better. Uh, great to see Joseph Osai score his first defensive touchdown. Trey Hendrickson only had 18 snaps I saw today, but it felt like he was on, he was making plays all over the gaff, wasn't he? Um, so you know it's all good. Sam Hubbard came back, and that's that was a valuable game for him to get back to. Um, I'm sure he'll be back to his best now. He's kind of got blown the cobwebs off. Um, so yeah, bring it on next week, Sunday. Well, it's not for us. It's uh, 1.15 a.m. in the morning on Monday. So uh, lots to look forward to. Um, but now it's time for our special guest on our 200th episode, part two. Right, as promised, every 50th episode, we try and get someone super special in uh, to talk to us. And of course, it being the 200th episode, we've had Zach Taylor before, we've had Chris Collinsworth, Darren Simmons, but now we have someone perhaps the most special out of all of them and i'm saying that because he's sitting there here looking at me now uh it's lou anarumu lou how you doing doing fantastic i appreciate you guys having me on uh lou i just wanted to let you know that i've been up half the night trying to think of questions that don't involve half-time adjustments because <sighs> everyone seems to want to talk to you about your half-time adjustments and you've talked you've spoken about it a lot the best I can come up with is what your favourite pizza topping is, but I think we'll leave that there for a while. <laughs> um, does this focus on adjustments surprise you or or even annoy you? Because, I mean, you're a defensive coordinator and you're adjusting during the games. You're seeing what the opposition offence is giving you. And surely adjustments are just kind of part and parcel of the game. And there's a lot more to being a defensive coordinator than half-time adjustments right yeah for sure I think that it's certainly a part of it you know we're constantly adjusting throughout the game uh halftime is so quick it's only 12 minutes for us and uh you know two minutes walking out two minutes walking in uh so you're down about eight minutes and and so you're 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 really quick there we're constantly as I said talking to the players on the sideline about what's happening during the game and uh really at halftime is the one time you get to sit down 
and get everybody in the same area where you can talk to them all at once. So that that certainly helps with a particular theme or something that you want to change. But uh, yeah, you know, the the balance of my day is and our day as coaches is, um, you know, making sure the players are uh, in positions to make plays to in order to help us be successful on Sundays. So the halftime adjustment thing is true, but there's an element of myth to that, would you say? I mean, I, I think there's uh, some validity to it. But uh, again, I think we're all adjusting throughout the game as well. And, um, you know, just talking to people, I think the guys become comfortable with what's going on in the game and how they're handling things. I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Um, and then getting a feel for the other team's play caller and how that's going. So it's all it all works together. And yet the comebacks that this team, this defense has, has staged in the past two years, especially on this incredible, brilliant, exciting, thrilling run that you guys have, have managed to go on is they're just remarkable. You know, just recently the Tampa Bay game and, you know, you go back 20 odd points down. Do you ever think, oh, goodness me, it's going to be that day today where we've bitten off more than we can chew or is the confidence within this unit, within you and your coaching staff, able to say, look, we're never out of this? Yeah, for sure. I think it's the latter where, you know, we're uh, if things don't start out the way we want, we always feel like we have the ability uh, to get back in it. A, with our offense and Joe Burrow and those guys, uh, you know, to get going if they're starting slow or if we started slow and they've got points on the board um, and then just having the uh the ability of not to panic and not to uh you know know that we've got a chance to get back in it and do it at the in the biggest stages you know you think about the kansas city game last year in the afc championship game we had all uh you know all the right in the world to panic <laughs> and we didn't we just came out and did our thing in the second half so um we're, we're certainly looking uh forward not to get ourselves in, in holes and have to dig our way out but if it happens we'll we'll uh we'll be up to the task uh, on this podcast, we often play a game called What Would Lou Do? <laughs> and um, uh, I'm guessing what Lou would like is for the team not to be down 17 nothing or 21 nothing. You'd prefer that, right? You would prefer not to have to get out of a hole. 100%, yes. <laughs> um now, you've spoken a lot about adjustments, as I mentioned, uh, and this kind of agility is down to players and the whole coaching team, as you, you mentioned, throughout the game. I'm wondering what kind of trust is needed between players and coaches um, to pull this, not to pull them off, but to kind of have that confidence and ability to be so agile and so switched on. Well, I think it's huge if, if there's not a trust factor on either side from player to coach or coach to player, uh, then it's going to be hard because that's when teams will most teams will fracture if things aren't going great. But we've got such a great group of guys, such a great locker room where guys will pull together instead of pull apart. And, um, you know, we can count on the leadership of the players and as well as the coaches to to rally and in, in, in the worst case scenarios. I mean, there's, there is a really great video currently up on the on the team's YouTube channel where you've sat down with a bunch of players talking about the camaraderie and the brotherhood and the and the trust and the fact that, you know, DJ Reedy is telling the camera and us that he would run through a brick wall for you. And, you know, you saying that you care 
so much about the human beings behind the football players, if you like. Um, has that uh, has that always been the case? Has that always been the case in terms of your approach to coaching? Well, a hundred percent. You know, I got into this because it's a people business. You want to try to affect people's lives and and these men's lives in, in a positive way. Um, you know, and I think that that's a, you know, yeah, we're, we're at the professional level now and people take that for granted. But, um, you know, as I said in the, in the interview, uh, that you're talking about is, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that we know what's going on in these guys' lives every day because it's life and things happen. And they, just because they're professional football players doesn't mean that they're immune to, family issues, you know, children being sick, what, you know, all of the different things that we all deal with every day as, as regular human beings. And that's what these guys are. And when you take a personal interest uh, and not just superficially, but you actually give a crap, um, you know, the players see that they understand that and they know it's real. And that's, I've always done that. I was brought up the right way by my parents to, to care about other people. And, uh, and that's, what's important to me. Like me, you're from good Italian stock, so I can relate <laughs> to that. My mother's from Calabria, so um, I love it. I love it. I'm, we're gonna, family and I are taking a trip uh, back to Italy this summer, so I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, fantastic. Um, I'm I'm interested in that kind of brotherhood, that that kind of that that sharing thing. What have you learned from? Because you you've been in the you've been coaching in the NFL t- for ten years, but then you got your I guess, big DC break in Cincinnati. And let's face it, to start with, like the whole coaching staff, and there's a period of transition. It was tough for a couple of years. Some guys that had been on the, you know, stars in previous regimes didn't quite fit or gel with what you, I think that's fairly safe to say. There were some departures uh, and all the rest of it. But what what is this? Uh, the players talk about, you know, the relationship that they have with you and you've just spoken about the the relationship that you have with the players but what have you it's a growing thing as well people like to you know you like to create an environment where people can grow where players can grow as humans and as football players and goodness me we've seen that on the field for sure um how have you grown as a person since being in Cincinnati oh huge you know I I uh I I realize um you know until you actually sit like where Zach sits in his chair and I sit in this chair as a defensive coordinator, you know, you think, you know, what um, issues will come your way. Uh, but when you're actually uh, sitting and doing them, you know, you're going to, you're going to learn some things too. And I think along the way you learn uh, what to do and what not to do. And I've certainly grown over the four years and uh, feel like we're in a good place right now. And uh uh, in a great place, not a good place, a great place. And, you know, it was, it was a great learning curve, as you mentioned. I think anytime a new coaching staff comes in, there's always going to be change um, and change is good. Uh, and and uh, it worked out for us. It, it took a little bit of time, but that's what that's what happens. It does take some time. And I'm just thankful that uh, Mr. Brown and ownership gave us the time to do it because it's uh, paying off now. Um. I'm, I don't know if you're a soccer fan, Lou, but I'm going to use a soccer analogy here because it seems to me that the, the lots of people, as fans as well, we like to sit in a pub with a pint and uh, bloody hell, Lou Anaruma, how good is he at the moment? You know, what a fantastic job his his team and his players are doing. Um, we do like to do that and we do do that. Um, 
I like sitting in pubs drinking pints too. So well, uh, I know because my co-host Nathan, who couldn't be here, often bangs on about the fact that the last time the team came over to London, he spoke to you downstairs at the Admiralty while you were coughing awesome. a Peroni or two uh, that night, and he's actually claiming credit for the defense's turnaround. But anyway, that's another <laughs> that's another story. So my my theory is that you're defense the success of your defense is is partly down to the versatility um and we've seen it you know sam hubbard and trey hendrickson dropping into coverage you know your multi famed multiple looks and your deceptions and you know dax hill coming in here there and everywhere and there's a real versatile feel where you, you must have smart football players to pull that off right but I there was it no, there's, sorry, a, go there's a team, there was a soccer team in Amsterdam. Bear with me, okay? Yeah, go ahead, in no. the 1970s called Ajax of Amsterdam. And they were famed for their approach to total football, as they called it, uh, where each player was during training sessions and practice sessions, different players in different positions would line up in different positions. So a striker, a centre forward would play on the defence and defensive players would play in attack and so on and so forth and that gave them a um an understanding of what different positions uh entailed and needed now i'm not saying that you are kind of copying that or anywhere but there feels like a similar versatility thing going on here would you agree with that i think it's a good point um you know we feel like uh the more that the guys can do um, and the more versatility each player can have, you know, with the 46 guys that are on the field on Sundays, you know, you need guys to do more than one thing. And, um, you know, we, we feel like we have that. And you mentioned, you know, smart players. We feel like we've got a, a, a really great group of smart guys that, um, you know, are able to go in there and handle a bunch of different things. And, and that's allowed us to be as multiple as we have been. Mm. Um, we've also simply, and that may be called to this as well. You lucky, well, not lucky, but ama- amazing uh, injury record last year, i.e., you were pretty healthy throughout. But this year, injuries have come in and out of the team. Obviously, losing Cheeto for a year was a big blow, but you've been without Trey and now Sam and DJ for a little while. And yet, players have come in, backups, if I can call them that. That would be perhaps doing them down a little bit, but your, your cam samples, your J2 fellas, uh, your, you know, kind of uh, Cam Taylor Britt, a rookie has, has stepped in and hardly Mr. B. As a coach, how do you get these players ready for, for, for that opportunity and to the point where they don't miss a beat? Well, I think it's a tribute to our assistant coaches for sure. Uh, you know, Marion Hobby does a great job with the D-line. James Betcher with the linebackers, uh, Rob Livingston and uh, Charles Burks in the back end with the safeties in the corners. Uh, you know, we all work together. Uh, we're all here as problem solvers. Um, and they know that, you know, they're always constantly getting uh, the guys, as you mentioned, that that aren't starting, the, the backups ready to play. Um, and it and because you never know when your chance is going to come. And I think that uh, the time and the effort with the, ex- with the extra time and effort with those players has paid off. Mm. And ju- I've just got a final few questions, Lou. Thanks so much for the time again. No um, the playoffs are approaching, as we all know. Um, the the promise of some serious offenses and 
players are coming up. I mean, you've said in the past on interviews that these guys like Pat Mahomes with his sidearm stuff and, you know, anatomically crazy things that he does, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen with his amazing art, this kind of, you know, bomber of an arm. Um, I mean, do you prepare differently for playoff games knowing that these guys are coming up or is it just a case of, you know, stuff that coaches always like to say one game at a time, one opponent at a time. Uh, I'm, I'm interested because obviously we have got the play, playoffs coming up. Yeah, I'm just interested in, in the different approach to playoff games, if there if there are any. Well, you really, you know, I know it sounds like coach speak and you don't, you know, really want to hear it. But at the end of the day, you try to make it as as a routine week as possible when you get to the playoffs. So, you know, Wednesday is a normal Wednesday and uh, because you don't want to uh, the players are going to feel uh, the stress of the game on Sunday, um, but you don't want, you know, it's just a natural human reaction. They're, they're going to know the significance of the games and things, but you don't want to add any extra pressure. You want to make it as, uh, you know, as cool as it can be and enjoy the experience. And and I think if you go into the game with that mindset and you're not just all tensed up and stressed about, I don't want to make a mistake, um, you know, you have a better chance to be successful. So we try to make it as normal as possible. And, uh, you know, it's part of the reason why we uh, were able to be as uh, effective as we have been. And finally, it would be remiss of me not to ask this. Um, you're the talk of the NFL at the moment, mate, honestly. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, head coaches' jobs are being mooted and all sorts. Do you take any notice of that noise outside? But I guess you've got too much on your plate right now. I do. You know, my sons will keep me posted on those things. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I really love my job. Um, I which, uh, love working for Zach, love working for the Brown family. Uh, and, um, you know, that stuff is great. But at the at same time, we have a one singular focus here, and that's uh, to, to win every game we play going forward. And what is your favorite pizza topping? I might as well ask you that. Not one. even close. Yeah, no, it's an easy, it's a no-brainer for me. It's sausage. Okay. Any particular Italian sausage, or are you just uh... no? They just the, my my favorite place back home. Um, you know, they 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 only you just pl- uh, plain pie with, with sausage, and they they know what to do. <laughs> they know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Lou. Listen, um, thank you so much for the time. Honestly, as fans, we can't thank you enough. I know I told you this when I met you in November. And I felt a bit of a fanboy for saying it, but honestly, you're doing such a fantastic job. Uh, it's I such an exciting you. time to be a Bengals fan. We wish you so much luck for this, you know, the postseason. And you better believe that we'll be shouting and screaming this side of the pond. So, Lou, a very happy new year to you. All the very best. And thank you again for the time. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you anytime and uh, happy new year. And uh, you know, pour one for me on the ground and then knock it back. All right. All right. You bet. Thanks, Lou. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. There we go. That was Lou. Lovely Lou. Lovely, lovely Lou. And uh, can't thank him enough. 20 minutes with the Lou Meister. Um, Lou Meister. Lou, Lou, Lou Meister sounds like a town in Herefordshire, doesn't it? Um, uh, anyway, yes, it was great. Twenty minutes with Lou. Can't thank him enough uh, for the time, especially this time of season when uh, when there's lots going on. So, uh, I think a fantastic insight into the camaraderie. Uh, I, and my main takeaway, though, is that I still can't say the word Anarumo. 
uh, I still say Anarumu, even to Lou Anarumo. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm doing, I'm doing a Nathan. I just, I, as soon as I said it, hello, and now we're going to speak to Lou Anarumu. I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, Jesus. <laughs> Thankfully, he was very kind and didn't say anything. Where internally, he was probably thinking, who is this complete chancer that I'm talking to? All herons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lovely to speak to Lou, and what a fabulous job. Uh, he's done genuinely I mean we I think we all know what a fabulous job is but it was interesting he was talking about that you know these half-time adjustments are, are kind of semi-mythical because adjustments are take because there's so little time at half-time to do anything yeah, yeah. these adjustments take place throughout so the like, game and on, on the side. Uh, speaking behind him there well, yeah, because Marvin didn't believe in half-time adjustments did he but I mean what they do do very well is um is uh is make them during the game and if there is anything to do at half time they can quickly go you know they've diagnosed during the game and then they can quickly put it right and it also helps that the guys and the, the senior guys are just kind of bought into the whole thing and know the scheme so well now that they can kind of help with diagnosis and uh and ways to move forward anyway let's get to your correspondence shall Solidando. Slam Dunk at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solidando. Please play a live game of What Would Lou Do? Congratulations on the 200th episode. A solid effort from you both. Mainly Paul, as Nathan spends more time abroad than he does at home. Speaking of which, in miles, who flies further in 2023, the Bengals or Nathan? That's a good question. I think the Bengals, obviously, because... Uh, there. I don't know. There's only eight flights, isn't it? Yeah, Maybe but, the yeah, but you know, in 2023, they've got to. Go, they're at the on the west coast this year, and they're playing so the NFC West. I go out to. I go out to Los Angeles at least once a year. That's about five, six thousand miles, isn't it? Like, yeah, I don't know. It would be a close one, my son. It would be a close one. Um, and as a real treat to you, uh, Duncan, because you were listening right at the very start. Here is now. There is a myth going around, and I mentioned it stupidly again. In fact, I didn't cover myself in glory in that interview. I came up with some cack-handed uh, metaphor, um, or at least comparison. I tried to compare his defense to Ajax, <laughs> uh, and also the. Um, I said that you know occasionally we play a game called What Would Lou Do, and of course it isn't a game. I think we've all got it in our heads. It's a game, but it's not. It's just a feature. So the. Just a reminder if you haven't heard this before. What would you do? <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't a game. It wasn't a game, I don't think. It was just a feature because if you remember, Lou had a horrible time in the first year or so of his uh, tenure as defensive coordinator and he was really on the hot seat. And, um, and then last year it was just, you know, he got what he wanted. He got his boys on, you know, he got real talent on defense. And uh, But certainly by the end of year two, um, we were asking this. What would you do? <laughs> so it wasn't a game. It was just a little feature to talk about how badly Lou was doing, I think. And um, we should really construct a game around... Um, what would you do? Shouldn't we well, really? I'll tell you, 
I tell you what, if Lou ends up at the Texans, he's going to need to know what to do. I say that much. Yeah, that's gonna 100%. Be I mean, a yeah. Hell of a job he ends up there. All right, well, let, let, let's talk about it. At the moment, uh, the Cardinals, uh, the Broncos, and the um, uh, the Texans are without a coach. Um, what would Lou do? Do you think he would just just to kind of take up that opportunity and you know he would take any opportunity to be head coach, or it would have to be right for him? And um... I, I really think if a head coaching opportunity was offered to Lou, he'd take it. And I think regardless of the situation, it's, it's, it's an incredible opportunity in the NFL to get offered a head coaching job. There's always hot new assistants that pop up every year. The league's trending towards younger coaches at the moment with the emergence of people like McVeigh and Taylor and Mike McVeigh. Well, who's to say McVeigh won't leave? The well, Rams? exactly. There's, I mean, there's, there's rumours that he might be yeah, walking away. There, there's another couple of um, potential openings, isn't there, out there. I, I doubt this is the end of it. But I think if he gets offered the job, he, he'll relish the chance of having a go at it. I mean, the Texans will be horrible place to go with the situation they're in and they've obviously played themselves out of the the number one overall pick yesterday so yeah it, i mean that's a job that's going to take two or three years to get to become competitive but i personally don't believe he'll get a head coaching job this off season Ooh. i'd say he could i would say probably 75 percent he remains in cincinnati next year i think there's some other hot names out there I think he's done a very good job. I think he deserves consideration, but I don't know if just two years as a very good defensive coordinator with the other talent that's knocking around there, potentially some slightly sexier names. Did the press might get in there, but I, I, you never know with old Lou. You know, I, he no, I mean, to, it would be bittersweet, wouldn't it? Because you want him to experience that, and he's certainly in these past two years had a. He's been terrific, um, but. Uh, equally, because of that, you know, you want him to stay as well. But uh, we'll see. Michael Smith at conniving underscore crow. Solid handle. Congrats on uh, 200 episode from the pub to the sewing room to the mean streets of North London. And through a pandemic, you've been there for us. Thank you. Next week's playoff game, I'm nervous as it's simpler to the game. Uh, sorry, it's similar to the game that shall not be mentioned. Uh, no late winner from Tucker, please. Very nice of you to say those things, Mike. And Mike, of course, has been involved in some of these episodes throughout the five years that we've been doing this. Um, Paul at Picar Burns, nervous about next week's game, hoping that second half yesterday was a slight blip and that maybe the team were thinking about holding back a bit as they didn't want to give too much away before we play the Ravens again. Exactly that, uh, Paul. Matt Stubby at our Matt. Uh, NFL got what they wanted, forced us to play starters, and we picked up some injuries. None of it matters. Burrow and the boys are coming for the Lombardi, and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. Have a bit of that, Matt. Andrew Dockerall at Dockers77. Big jubilations on 200 although not a fan of this new playoffs lark it's less than a month until the senior bold uh, let's get our priorities in order dockers is obviously our draft one of our draft experts so he's looking forward to the senior bowl here's to another 200 and then some after we whoop the ravens 100 percent 
Dan Waite at DNKW. Congratulations on your 200th episode. Got feeling is we'll see a much better performance next week. The events of the last eight days combined with a short week must surely have taken their toll emotionally on the players. I'd hope they'd be on a more even keel come Sunday night. I think that's it, isn't it? Um, emotion, everything that's gone on uh, this week, and that's right, you just hope they're going to be on an even keel. Uh, this is for Scott Gibb, if, he, if he's listening. Scott commented on the fact that I was uncorking my bottle of rum every, <laughs> every couple of... Uh, I don't know. It seemed to get more and more, or kind of more frequent as the episode where gone on. I still got a little bit left, so I'm just going to finish it off. And why not use it to toast this final episode? Final? Cheers, Tom. So you're not telling me. You, you call That's it. it. Quiz, I've had enough. I've had enough. Uh, no, no, of course not. Two uh, hundredth episode. Say, John Ward at John Ward thirty-one. Two hundred. You should be both be very proud. Who'd have thought that at start you? you would do 200 <laughs> exactly yeah uh who'd have thought if you'd listened to those early episodes bloody hell anyway yesterday was an awkward match john says uh, but we got the job done not impressed with the timing of the playoff though they gotta play us uh bb at blue bengal five uh, for some reason i fear the ravens the most in the playoffs beating us this year know how to wind up certain players and can play dirty to set us back exactly that Seiji, Earl of Norks. Um, Solid handle. Well done, fellas, on the 200th. Solid effort. Uh, reckon we will mix it up with some sexy plays and bamboozle them filthy, rancid, stinking, whinging, flea-bitten rat birds. Goodness me. I need a drink after that. Is the uh, raven the same sort of thing as a crow, or is it different? It's the same... Well... <laughs> When you say the same sort of thing, you mean a bird? <laughs> no, no, no. But like, what? <laughs> it's not a raven's not a crow, is it? No, but it's something very similar. Yeah, because we don't get ravens in the UK, do we? <clears throat> I don't know. If someone can tell us. Any twitchers out there can tell us whether we. I think we must do. It's not like a, you know, like a mad American indigenous only bird. I I just thought. I don't know. I, I was maybe Keep talking, because I'm going to have to Google that now. I assume so. Um, I can't say that I've ever seen a raven. Unless but it's would just you sw- know if you've seen a raven? Though? I don't know, unless I just mistook it for a crow. They're very clever, though. And, like, you know my, my what, do you mean, the, what do you mean they're clever? Well, crows are extremely clever. That's why... That's why you, you know, mentioned but, this before. This is one of no, the more I know. extraordinary... I've got about crows. They're extremely clever. But I don't know if a raven's is clever. <laughs> right, here we go. Um, ravens are best looked for uh, in upland areas of southwest England, Wales, and the North Pennines, and the Lake District, and much of Scotland. So basically, they're all over the shop. They ain't in London, though, are they? They can't hack it down in London. They can't hack it down in London. <laughs> they can't hack it. That's why I ain't seen any of them. I don't, I'd never leave the M25. Do you know what I mean? I'm like imprisoned in the M25. Oh, you should so do a like a bird program of some description i think that would be hilarious if you were the, the north pennines exactly yeah north Pennine twitching in the north pennines with nathan palmer i can see it you'd be great channel five would be all over that can of stella and some shit binoculars exactly 
<laughs> exactly. You're, you're selling it. I think that should be the pitch um, to Channel <laughs> 5. Right. Uh, Peachy Perennium. <laughs> and I know what that reference is to, actually. It's that uh, diabetes medicine that comes on every every week. It's got about 4 million uh, side, potential side effects. And one of them is, I don't know, damaged perennium, I think. Um, or perineum, is that how you pronounce it? Do you know what perineum is? No, I haven't got a clue, Sam. <laughs> Do you want to guess what it is? No, <laughs> I don't, to be honest with you, no. Oh, please do, honestly, because I'm itching to tell you what it is. Well, not really. Uh, the perineum is the thin layer of skin between your genitals and anus. Blimey. <laughs> Were you expecting me to say that? I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah, possibly. It wouldn't surprise me. Okay, well, there you go. Apparently, that one of the potential side effects is, is something to do with the perineum. Uh, so... Um, at it's an educational podcast, this one at times, isn't it? You're learning about. Well, I think that's what it, that's what it should be moving forward. Quite frankly, um, interesting parts of the human body. You know, you're getting all of your, you know, all of your five a day. Bird yeah. facts, um, you know, genital skin flap facts. Yeah. Um, facts about NFL. You know, you get you, you, you get you, it all. I like. I mean, it's a service actually. It's it's a service. It's entertainment and it's infotainment. It's a central I think. service. Exactly. So Peachy Perennium is Scott, who also goes by the name of at Megafarter B. Shocking handle. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. I don't know why he's taken so badly to your handle. Last night was... I nearly, a... gave, I nearly gave a shocking handle to DKW or whatever his handle was, but I just the fact that there's only four letters, you've got to give a bit of credit for that, you? but I was debating it. But oh, he's on a, he's on a tear yeah, tonight. Yeah. Uh, so Megafarter B says last night was a warning from an understrength raining Raven sign that there'll be no pushovers. I really hope Kappa is fit, but that injury didn't look good. Oh, it really didn't. I thought, I thought he'd knack like broken his leg. But um, uh, as I say, we're recording this at about. I mean, Zach should be giving his Monday press conference right now, so no doubt. We'll find um, out more. But apparently it's the ankle, not the knee, which is a good thing. But he's probably going to be out for next week, you would imagine. So that's a big loss. Unless the geezer, I mean, is injected with everything known to man. And I, I can't believe he's going to be suiting up for that game. I mean, the best case scenario is he's back for, if we get to the AFC title game or the Super Bowl, you may, maybe he's got a chance on two or three weeks worth of rest. But I mean, it looked nasty. He could barely yeah. put any weight on it coming off the field. I can't believe that in six, seven days' time, the geezer's going to be suiting up against their defensive line. No. You know, and that's such a shame because he's been really good this I mean, he doesn't get mentioned very often, but he's been really good this year. Uh, really good. Jamie at Trek White Beaster, we're going to smash the Ravens. We're going to break the Ravens. Step one towards Glendale. Well done on the 200-ish episodes and Monday night tradition. Well, that's very kind. Uh, it's nice to know that... Um, yeah, it's nice to know. It gives a good feeling that people regard it as a bit of a Monday tradition. I love that. Uh, Richard Murgatroyd at Richard Murg 90 congratulations on 200 episodes. I joined in this season, and I'm enjoying your work, lads. Uh, inability to play a whole game is slightly worrying me. We'll have enough of the Ratbirds again, but after that, the boys on offence will need to play a full 60. Thank you, Richard, and here, here. It's great to have you aboard and with us. 
Thank um, you, Richard. Oh, hello. Um, Martin at Dorset Bengal. Um, you lads are getting better with age, like a fine wine or a Pete Carroll. <laughs> I raise my decanter of Steeler tears to you. Should be a cracking game next week. I felt like both teams were hiding a lot from each other yesterday. We've got Super Joe Borrow, though, ain't we? We have. And thank you, Martin. And finally, Karis of Steel at Karis of Steel. Solid handle. Um, now, this could be a first-time caller, but this, I don't know, I, I've got a feeling that perhaps he or she has changed their handle, uh, especially, and it gets you a solid handle, Karis of Steel. Um, congratulations on having the best Bengals podcast running. Hey, you can come again, Karis of Steel, I must say. Um, this Carousel still only speaks facts as well. That's right, yeah. Um, yes, Sunday was rough in spots, but we won by 11 despite one of Joe Boy's worst performances this year. I'd rather see Russ now than later, and finding a way to win off script will serve us well in the playoffs. Correct Amundo, Karis. Um it's not you uh, under care. No, <laughs> I didn't write that. No, because I would have written the best Bengals podcast out there, especially the main host, who I think is excellent. And frankly, he has a career. He's destined for a career in broadcasting. A rather um, dashing host. That's right. A very handsome. <laughs> and his dishevelled <laughs> partner. And his, but his partner has has a lot to be desired. Um, <laughs> that's what I would have written. Um, but I, I still want to find out who gave us <laughs> who gave us one star on that Apple thing. That always cracks me up. That does. Um, did Do you some... remember that one star review? Oh yeah, but we got a few fives. But you fixated on the one star review. Oh, I just thought it was quite funny as to what would like you know <laughs> what they disliked so much for the one. There's actually I, I looked a couple of weeks ago. There's a four star review on there now, as well, which I find quite interesting. Like someone thought it was pretty <laughs> pretty oh, really? good. Really. <laughs> Thought it was all right. No, thought it was good, but not outstanding. <laughs> That's, to be fair, I take that. That's probably where we are. The fives are just quite generous, aren't they? I don't, I'm not quite sure we're a five, but I think we're probably a four. Three would be a little bit. I reckon you know, maybe, we're. Oh, maybe if we both had a long day at work and we've not got the vigour in our voices, then it could be a three. I need to find out. Is there? What's the latest one? Yeah, the latest one, 5th of May. No, the 3rd of May last year. <laughs> A must for all Bengals fans from a UK perspective. Who day? There you um, go. Yeah, I want. Maybe it's a fan of another team that we like. We said before. Maybe, maybe there just are gonna... no, there are no four stars. They're all just five stars. What the one stars? Oh, I saw four the other day. Did you? It's not on there. Well, I'm sure it did. Well, that that should be. I should. If I was a proper podcast host, I should uh, segue into saying. Do like and subscribe and leave a lovely review because it really helps the podcast. It helps, <laughs> it helps other Bengals fans find uh, the podcast. But I'm not going to. You can do what you we bloody will. We never do it, do we? It's quite low budget, this podcast, really. We don't have a sponsor. We don't no, have, we any, have. We don't any, any, any like, followers. You we don't have any messages. You can, you can do what you want. Who cares whether you review, rate? That should be it. Please... <laughs> Don't bother rating or reviewing. Yeah. It's entirely don't, don't worry up to you. Subscribing either if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, don't. I mean, subscribe if you want to, but if you don't want to, that's okay too. You know, yeah. so um, that's not going to get well, me I'm anywhere. Really. Yeah, I'm more than welcome to do that. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so Nathan, it's a big, uh, big old, big old wall up on Sunday. Um, it's again, it's the roller coaster. No one knows what's going to happen. Play with your hair on fire. Intensity ratchets up a few notches. Well, quite considerably, doesn't it? You know, under the lights at Paycor, you know they'll put on a fantastic show. Hopefully, they get Bootsy back to do the halftime show. Uh, because obviously he couldn't do it uh, on the Monday night game. Uh, it's all set up, isn't it, really? It, let's hope there's no crushing disappointment. All you can hope for is that they play well and play to their potential. Um, because in another thing that we didn't mention, the Ravens, even though they didn't start a bunch of people on their offense, they played pretty much their starting defense. They had a few guys out in the secondary. but um, yeah. And they do have a good defence, like a really good defence, which perhaps yeah. is also why we didn't play so well uh, on offence, do you know what I mean? So um, you just hope when it gets to the playoffs that you don't leave anything out on the field. I know that's quite a trendy thing to say at the moment um, but yeah I, you just hope they play as well as they can and if you're beaten by the better team, you know you got to hold your hands up. But I do believe actually we are the better team um, I think we're the better team Lamar's going to play. You heard it here first. I'll be stunned if he doesn't play. I, I reckon he's going to be... He's not practised for a month. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, he, he'll play. I, I'm prom- Adam Schefter came out today and said that he thinks that he'll probably play. There's no guarantee on it. Obviously, like you said, he hasn't practised. Apparently, his knee's still swollen up and he's not in the best shape. But I reckon in the playoffs, he's going to go out there and have a go. Um which is a real worry. It, this game scares the shit out of me, if I'm honest with you. I It just reminds me a bit of those two Steelers game in the playoffs and the Chargers game where we're big favourites, we're at home, you're really fancy us and the pressure of the situation or whatever it is gets to us. Now, this is a different team. This is a team that won three incredible playoff games, two games last year especially, or on the road against fantastic teams that no one expected to win, and they came through in two tight games. So this is a team that has got a big bollocks on it. But, yeah, it's just Mike, like, like what Mike said before, I just, I've just got nightmares of Justin Tucker stepping up from 59 yards or something silly at the end. Or, you know, if Jackson does play, I can just see him having a big game and running around like his knee's brand new and we, we are the better team you're bang on we're, we're more skilled across the ball I am a bit worried about the run game now with Alex Kappa out that side of the line um, with him and Leo Collins out is a concern um, as to how we run the ball That you know the Ravens are going to be looking to exploit that and take advantage of it their defence is tough um, they've got Dobbins back who wasn't there at the start yeah good player very good player Mark Andrews player. as well you got Andrews and Likely, the tight ends who are good. Their receiving core is shocking. I mean, it really is. I mean, it, it was never good at the start of the season, but they've lost Devin Duvernay. And, you know, you could see there was a couple of drop passes last night. All the passing game was going through the tight ends. So you've got to figure the Bengals are going to look to double cover Mark Andrews and try and take him away. Um, I think what you said at the start is right. If we play well... That's all you can ask. Because if we play well, I think we win. I, I can't imagine the Joe Boy comes out as a big game. The defence is smart, plays tough, plays hard. I don't see really that Ravens can go any higher than that. But I do think the Ravens will be plucky. We know they're really well coached. We know that um, 
you know, I always rave about Tomlin and Harbar. I'm, I'm not a big fan of either of them personally, but you've got to rave at the ability. I mean, just Mike Tomlin getting that Steelers team, the talent on that team to nine and eight is, is ridiculous. Um, and frankly, John Harbar getting that Ravens team, which has had Lamar out for the back end of the season. They've had all sorts of injuries. They've got barely anything, you know, mm. on offense. You're talking about like Gus Edwards running the ball and, you know, their receivers, you know, you struggle to name them. It's, it's really going deep, like Robinson and Duvernay. And it's really, you know, they've not got marquee talent there, but yet, you know, they are where they are. They've won a lot of games and they're on the dance floor. So it, it does scare me. Well, I mean, the home field advantage is massive. Um, you know, the fans there are going to be going bonkers. They always do. And Paycor is going to hopefully propel us forward. Um but it is going to be a nail-biter. I don't believe it's going to be a game we're going to go in there and smash the doors off them and give them a good throlicking. I do think it'll be a tight game that will come down to three, four points. And we know, we know what the Bengals like to do to us in the playoffs. It's always tight. It's always yeah. nervy. it probably come down to the fourth quarter and we'll be somewhere at four or five in the morning in our front rooms, in a casino, wherever anyone's watching the game this Sunday night. Um and it'll all be a bit of a nail-biter, so... Indeed. Um, DeMar Hamlin apparently is headed home to Buffalo today. Fantastic. So that's great news. Uh, fair play to everyone at the uh, University of Cincinnati Medical Centre. He obviously received some terrific care, but it's great news that he's going home uh, today, and uh, let's hope for a continued recovery. Just a short note, we won't be having an official meet-up this week just because of the time and trying to find somewhere that's open and with a license at one fifteen on a Monday morning. It's ridiculous. Um, but stay tuned. We will hopefully have some more down the line. Um, we're going to end it now. Many thanks to everyone, every single one of you who's listened and uh, interacted with us. Uh, 200 episodes. Really pleased with that uh, achievement. Um, it's been an absolute blast and so much fun to do so thank you so much for listening and uh, as i say interacting with us yeah big big thank you from me as well just to all of you listening i know um we have a good time doing this and all the engagement and everything it's been brilliant to grow the community and meet a lot of people in person but also through the podcast um it's, it's such an enjoyable thing to do and we're very very lucky as bengals fans at the moment to be living through what is quite possibly the best team the Bengals have ever had so again a big thank you from me and hopefully we can um, as Paul said have a meet up um, for the next round of the playoffs or maybe even later in the season towards the Super Bowl again so if we do I look forward to seeing you then where we can celebrate the Bengals success and also 200 episodes of Cincinnati um, yeah. and son I always have to do this but yeah. I have to say thank you to you for slaving away on a Monday night, you know, <laughs> after work, coming home, editing this podcast, mucking around with the batteries, setting up the mics, getting the guests, doing the interviews, putting it all on SoundCloud, Spotify, running the <clears> Twitter <throat> account, yes. doing everything that you do for Bengals UK <laughs> is, uh, you know, I think if there was a, you know, a GoFundMe for you, like send Paul to the Maldives on holiday, I think you'd you'd be there and back first class because the, the amount of work you do for this community is, is unbelievable. And, yeah, I just want to say a massive thank you, my son. Thank you. Uh, well, I must say it's an absolute pleasure and certainly a bit of a dream come true, really. I mean, I keep saying it. 
if I if you know if I I mean if if you'd ask me like a I don't know what I was 12 13 year old kid whether you know 30 odd years later I'd be running a Bengals fan group and talking to head coaches and Sam White and bloody Chris Collinsworth and I mean I'd have thought you an absolute thought you were absolute off your knockers on whatever you know it's dating so, a sweet model as well exactly yeah i mean it's just uh just a real pleasure and it is it genuinely is you know that this is what we do it for isn't it to grow the community and we've made friends for life you know on both sides of the pond and that's really what it's all about it sounds really cheesy but honestly that's the best thing about this i think um the the friends that we've all made and the community that we've all created and uh, I love it, and long may that continue. We'll see you uh, for episode two fifty and three hundred and five thousand six hundred and fifty, and who knows what else in the in the long distant future. But no, seriously, thanks for listening. I better shut up now. Huge thanks to Lou and Arumo. I think I got it right there. And uh, and good luck, everyone. Here comes the playoffs. Strap yourselves in. It's about to get insane, uh, as we all know it will be. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening. And, of course, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.